Welcome to Worldwide Wonderful Women, a podcast for your living in divine power when yours is diminished. A podcast where encouragers receive encouragement. We understand these are hard times. You may find that it is becoming more of a challenge for you to remain strong as you give of yourself continuously. That's why this is the place to join other women globally who face the same challenges as you. So join us regularly to receive biblical insight not to faint, but to stand strong. This is the podcast to be rejuvenated and revitalized. Now, let's join our host, Paula Harris. Greetings. This is episode number 146 of Worldwide Wonderful Women, and the title of this episode is Mothers in the Bible, Part 4. Well, this is the last part of this topic for this month in regards to looking at mothers in the Bible and receiving inspiration and encouragement from their lives. Proverbs 6 verse 20 says, My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Today we want to look at Deborah from the book of Judges. And you can read Judges chapters 4 and 5 to get more of the details. The book of Judges reflects a negative time when God's people were drifting into sin then experiencing God's judgment, then repenting, and then starting the cycle over and over again. Deborah provides a picture of leadership that wasn't normally seen in the society during her time. Very few women in Scripture rose to high positions as this. Deborah stands out due to both her spiritual and civil leadership. She was the only woman who served as a judge during the extended years of turmoil. We do not know if she gave birth. We do know that she was married. But Judges chapter 5 verse 7 says she was a mother in Israel, which was a high and rare compliment acknowledging that she was a fierce mother on behalf of the whole Hebrew nation. God often chooses to raise up unlikely men and women to accomplish his purposes. He uses ordinary people. The story of Deborah is an excellent example of this. Here we have a female leader in Israel, which in itself was quite rare, and by the end of the story, we see her prophecy indicating that a woman would rescue Israel. Now, again, that was rare as well. So Deborah lived during the period of the judges, when Israel was not united as a nation under one leader, but rather existed as a loose grouping of tribes. Periodically, the Lord would raise up a leader, a judge, in one of these tribes, and that leader would rise to rally the Israelites together so that they could defeat their enemy. Deborah judged Israel in the days when Jabin, king of Canaan, oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Because of the sins of the people, they were under the oppression of Jabin. He ruled over the northern portion of Canaan, with Hazar being his capital city. 
He had a mighty army with 900 chariots of iron. Jabin's power over the people was so strong that commerce had virtually ceased. The people did not travel on the highways that carried goods in and out of Palestine because of Jabin's mighty army. Let's look at verse 6 of chapter 4. And she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kadesh Naphtali, and said unto him, Have not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go, and draw toward Tabar, and take with thee ten thousand men of the children of Naphtali, and of the children of Zebulun? And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Japan's army, with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into thy hand. Now here's a prophecy given by Deborah, and the orders didn't originate from the mind of a military leader. They stemmed from the Lord himself, speaking through Deborah, the prophetess. She lays out God's plan for him. Victory is guaranteed, and all Barak had to do was simply obey. These words came from the Lord God of Israel. So God used Deborah to rally the Israelites against Jabin. From a human perspective, there was no chance that they could win. It would seem to be suicide for the ground force to go against these chariots of Jabin. So General Barak was unwilling to really rally the Israelites to battle against this foe. And as a result of this, when the Lord kept his promise to save his people, a woman, rather than the soldiers of Israel, would receive the credit for the victory. Now, Barak's reluctance to enter into battle against Sisera, the military commander with that host of troops from King Jabin, is hardly a surprise because the Canaanites possessed superior military technology. Sisera had a disciplined, professional army, and his troops were armed with iron weapons and chariots in large numbers. Barak had an army made up of men from most of the 12 tribes of Israel. So Barak knew that his own forces were fewer in number, comparatively untrained, and with inferior weapons. And against such odds, it was unlikely that he could succeed. So to an onlooker, his reluctance might have seemed common rather than out of fear. He didn't wish to enter into a battle that he couldn't win. So God used Deborah to give Barak the courage to face odds that he knew were overwhelming. Now think about putting yourself in Barak's shoes. He had to trust doubly. He had to trust that Deborah was truly prophesying correctly from the Lord. And he had to trust that God would indeed help him to be victorious in this task, which seemed very impossible. Of course, this is exactly what happened. Despite the fact that his army was technologically inferior to Jabin's, Barak's force of 10,000 Israelites was able to defeat the Canaanite army. Only Sisera, Jabin's general, was left alive. Let's go back to the scriptures, looking at verse 14. And Deborah said to Barak, Up! 
For this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and ten thousand men after him. And the Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all his host with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host until Heroseth of the Gentiles and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit, Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Canaanite. The Canaanites ought to have won the battle very easily. They didn't. There was a tremendous downpour of rain, and the 900 chariots that were meant for quick maneuvering on the firm ground became bogged down in mud. Just before the battle, a flash flood went through the region and turned the battleground into deep mud, giving the Israelite foot soldiers the advantage over the Canaanite chariots. In Judges chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, it tells us about this rainfall or storm. There's a wonderful irony to this because Baal, the main god of Canaanite forces, was the god of storms or the weather. He was worshipped by the Canaanites, and yet the Canaanites lost the battle because of the storm. So here we see Yahweh again. Their God was clearly superior to the God of the Canaanites. Sisera fled until he came to the home of Jael, the wife of a Canaanite with whom Sisera's kingdom was at peace. But Jael's ultimate loyalty was not to the Canaanites, but to Yahweh the God of Israel, and his people. J.L. gave shelter to Sisera, but only so that she could lure him into the place where she could kill him with a tent peg to his head. You'll see that in verses 17 to 24. The mightiest general now in the region at that time was defeated not by a general, but by an ordinary wife. Our Lord doesn't need mighty people to accomplish his purposes. Often the Lord will delight in using the unexpected to fulfill his will. And that's exactly what he did with Deborah and Jael. I chose this story of Deborah this week in light of our getting ready to celebrate Memorial Day. There are many who have lost their lives in battle. We are in heavy spiritual warfare, and we cannot sit on the sidelines. God is calling you to put on your spiritual armor that he's given us, and it's mentioned in the book of Ephesians, whereby we need to fight a good fight of faith for yourself, for your marriage, for your children, your extended family, your church, your community, your nation. Remember, God will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So this is your battle call, my friend. Now let's be soldiers in the army of the Lord. Well, I trust that this month, looking at the women in the Bible has been an encouragement for you. And I hope that you'll join us again next month as we look to our Lord so that we may find strength 
and that we may have our faith built up in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So until he brings us back together again, smile, Jesus loves you. Thank you for listening to Worldwide Wonderful Women. We trust you enjoyed the program. Please take a moment to leave us a good rating and review on iTunes to help us continually encourage others around the globe. We also invite you to go to TWMforJesus.org. That's T-W-M, like in Mary, F-O-R-J-E-S-U-S dot O-R-G to download your free gift and see other resources to help you live in divine power. And oh, don't forget to tell your friends. Until next time, be strong and of good courage.